Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and as always, we've got a great Thursday night uh, show for you. We're going to be starting off here in just a, a moment or two uh, with another great discussion on the Coach's Corner panel, and I'll bring tonight's panelists out here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest uh, from out in California, uh, Dustin Irwin, uh, who is the uh, Director of Golf Operations for Omni La Costa Resort and Spas. Uh, he's going to be joining me on the second half in about an hour's time uh, on the show, so I'm really, really excited to have him uh, come on and talk about what's happening at La Costa and, and uh, what they've got cooking, if you will. And um, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about having him on the show uh, a little bit later on. Let me also remind you the show sponsors uh, for Golf Talk Live are brought to you by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports uh, Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instructional magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. And so subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. And just to remind everybody, I mentioned this last week, uh, August 4th, which was Tuesday, this past Tuesday, uh, the latest copy of Golf Tips magazine uh, featuring Jack Nicholas on the cover is now at newsstands, so you can go out and get your copy and uh, just a couple of the places that you can find them at is Barnes & Noble and also Books A Million. Uh, but you can check a lot of your, your local newsstands at uh, some of your uh, uh, grocery stores like Publix, I know, carries them. And, and some of the other big chains, I believe Kroger's as well, carry them. So uh, go out and check them out. You'll see it, Golf Tips Magazine, and you'll see Jack Nicholas on the cover so you know you got the right, uh, right magazine. Uh, and it's a great offer for just $6.99 uh, for each uh, publication or, if you want, a better deal is uh, you can get all six issues. Of course, it's a bi-monthly uh, magazine. For just $14.97, you can go on to golftipsmag.com and subscribe. And for $5 more, $19.97, you can also get the digital version as well. So some great deals for you. Go to golftipsmag.com and check it out. All right, we've got a great Coach's Corner panel. As I mentioned, we're going to have a very interesting discussion tonight. Uh, first up, of course, is Jamie Leno Zimron. Uh, she is an instructor, body worker, and consultant. She's also an Aikido six-degree black belt. Uh, she's a Class A LPJ teach professional, uh, corporate and conference speaker, uh, executive trainer, and coach. Uh, she's a speaker for Vistage Canada, or uh, sorry, Vistage International and TEC Canada, the executive committee. Uh, also joining on the panel tonight is Bill Abrams. He's a PGA professional and owner director of instruction uh, for Golf Solutions Academy at uh, Balmero Woods in Crate, Illinois. Uh, also, you can find him in the winter months down at Grand Palms Resort in Florida, and he's also the 2019 Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year and uh, 2017 and 2018 Central Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year. So, guys, uh, welcome back to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Chad. It's great to be here and good to be with you, Bill. 
Always, always a pleasure to be with you too. And thanks again for having us, Ted. I appreciate it as always. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, some different tips to help improve your game. And uh, I think these ones are, are, are kind of interesting. And uh, the first group, if you will, we're going to talk, uh, talk about how to practice more effectively. And here's something I found very interesting. I, what I like to do, guys, is to, and I'm, Bill, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Um, one of the things that I like to do is I like to read a lot of different articles, and I, I'll, I'll pull some of my questions out of things that I've read. And I found this one really kind of interesting, especially in today's day and age where uh, everybody's time is, is very, very tight. And, and also with you know, our current situation with the pandemic, a lot of people are a little bit skittish about spending a lot of time outdoors. So um, there's a lot of great things that you can do. So as an example, um, you know, we talk about players who, you know, uh, have done a lot of different things uh, to help improve their game. And this one I found very interesting. There was a, a gentleman, he was, of course, an amateur player, uh, did a 30-day challenge with a great training aid, uh, Orange Whip. And most people in the golf business, of course, know what that is. It's a great uh, training aid, and it's got a little orange uh, weighted ball on the end of it. And you basically swing it, and it helps with your rhythm, and it helps uh, sort of help you to groove that swing. So... What he did basically for five to ten minutes each day, uh, rather than you know uh, spending an hour up at the driving range on his own, he just worked with this particular training aid. And uh, when all said and done, at 30-day challenge, uh, found himself to be um, hitting the ball a little bit better. I want you to talk just a little bit about this, Bill. Um, some of the benefits of doing something like this gentleman did where, you know, instead of always having, that doesn't mean you, you exclude all the, the range sessions, but maybe just spending, you know, five to 10 minutes each day, uh, golf related that maybe can help groove your, your swing and help groove your game a little bit. What do you think about that 30 day challenge? And maybe you have a suggestion of something similar that you would recommend to golfers. Yeah. Very interesting, Ted, because this plays right into what I do with my players that stay here in Chicago area for the winners. I have to give them a bevy and a, and a big arsenal of drills and things they can do while not being outside and playing. Um, I utilize the orange whip as well. Now I don't use the long one. I always go to the junior one with most players because they can swing it inside a little bit easier. Um, that's one of the, the piece and Jimmy will, uh, he'll tell you about Jim Hackenberg, who's the owner and designer of orange whip. It's a beautiful device. Mm -hmm. Now, the other things I utilize are eyeline golf with the ball of steel and the mirrors to make sure you're set up and your impact is great, plus blast motion. There's so many, so many cost-effective opportunities for players to change their body pattern motion inside or away from the golf course now that are measurable. The orange whip will tell you really quick if you're swinging in balance and in a good sequence with tempo. Same with... with um, with the blast and same with the eyeline product. So I think that's something that's extremely important and right on the way with, with what I coach in the winter time in uh, the off season. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. I think these types of, of, of drills and things like that, you know, there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of gimmicky things out there too, that, you know, we, we, we don't, recommend but i think something like orange and there's other similar products out in the market that i think um are, are can be very effective training aids and you know again just going to the, to the initial point i made that if you 
you know, if you do something like that for even just five or 10 minutes every day, just to kind of, you know, feel the rhythm. And, and, you know, I, I, sometimes when I have students doing things like this, I'll even have them close their eyes. Obviously I want to make sure they're outdoors or in an area that they can swing freely, um, but have them close their eyes so that that takes the visual component away. And now it's more, it becomes more of a feel. And I think a lot of times they, they, okay, yeah, I, I feel how this is supposed to happen now. And I, I get a better understanding of that. So um, very interesting uh, challenge. And I, I think it's something that uh, maybe some of our high handicappers out there should consider uh, giving it a go. Uh, Jamie, I want to kind of continue on this theme with you. And the other option really to help, uh, you know, practice more effectively is to play games. It's been proven that the brain uh, can't learn uh, unless you are challenging it uh, you know, with a variety of different random tasks. Uh, and again, going back to the range, you know, showing up to the range and hitting your driver for 20 minutes doesn't really necessarily improve your game unless it's, you know, a very specialized practice. So uh, this is why different practice games uh, can be so effective. So maybe give an, a, an example or, or, or two of something that the folks can do when they do go to the range, um, rather than just sort of raking, hitting balls, what are some, some options that they can do uh, to sort of, simulate that real pressure that they might be feeling out in the golf course well it's true games are, are really great that's why like in basketball you know there's so many different kinds of fun games you can play right horse and all these different things so mm-hmm. uh it mixes it up and you can in a sense play variations of that uh when you're practicing golf so i especially recommend games around the green uh, the chipping green putting green so you can create uh holes right now put two T markers mm-hmm. and that's your T off. And then you can create different uh, different kinds of short shots, chip shots, pitch shots, and then you putt out. So, you know, your par is two or three. And, um, you know, create all kinds of uh, different holes. And maybe you've got a three-hole or a six-hole short game right just around the chipping green. Mm-hmm. And if you have a friend that you're with or a couple friends, you can turn it into a competition. And so you're actually, like, playing a, a mini course that you've set up. And you want to put that together in such a way that you're going to have a variation, a variety of, of shots. So, I mean, that's an easy one and a fun one. For people who are at home, um, I'm actually literally giving lessons in my backyard. So we can talk about that some more and how you can do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can put hula hoops out there. You can put uh, <clears throat> you can put a garden tools. <laughs> you know, you can, whatever you got out there in the backyard that you create as a target. And then, again, you can play holes. If you use wiffle balls, you can make full swings, and you're not going to hit any, you know, hit anybody or cause any damage to a person or a window or something. And uh, take full swings. You can take half swings, and once again, you can have a score if you want. You could do, you know, ten balls to that target. Uh, you can do the same thing actually um, on the putt putting green like we were just talking about in terms of playing games where you could play it as a get it on and, and putt. So, you know, a chip and a putt kind of thing, or you can take, you know, 10 shots or five shots, seven shots and do it as a competition as well. Uh, and then see how close you got, maybe add up what was your distances. And you know, maybe all in all, I was ended up uh, 22 feet away and all in all, you add them all up for the other person and they were 28 feet away or 16 feet away. So, you know, things like right. that. And, and if it's just yep. with yourself, you can, you know, uh, hey, I got seven in this in, in on my next round. How many did I get uh, into what area? So lots of things that you can be creative with. Yeah, and I think it's important, well said, by the way, 
um, I think it's important to to kind of challenge yourself. And and I can't think of a better way than than around that practice green because there are a lot of different options. I mean, most you know most courses, not all, but most courses might even have uh, close by. Uh, they'll have some bunkers that you can use to to hit out of and and practice that area of your game as well. And I think one of the worst things that a lot of people do is they go out to the driving range or the practice tee. And all they're doing is hitting balls because they think they've got to perfect their golf swing and they've got to perfect that, you know, uh, dial in on every shot. And those are important things to work on as well. But I think you need to prioritize what's actually scoring uh, in your round. And obviously that happens in the short game. So well said, guys, both of you. All right, Bill, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, and this is an area, too, that, uh, you know, one of the legends of the game, Jack Nicholas, is a huge proponent uh, of this. And that is establishing your feel first. Uh he was, a, again, proponent of making sure he dialed in his feel, especially on shorter shots before he moved into his full swings. And this is one of the, uh, I think, one of the greatest golf tips that uh, has been around and it's making its way around, if you will, for, for many, many years. And, you know, he often talked about establishing a feel for shots from, you know, say 15 even, uh, 15 to 45 yards, uh, just to even warm up uh, in order to get the, the swing in sync before he moved on to the longer clubs. Talk a little bit about that as well, because, uh, again, we often see people coming out and they're right away they're jumping into full shots. But if you look at most of the touring pros on their practice tee, they're starting off with some pretty soft shots. And a lot of times it might only be 30, 40 yard shots before they start working up to longer clubs. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, Ted. And that's, that's something I think amateurs, number one, have a hard time figuring out how to practice and warm up. And those are two entirely different um, activities. Warming up-wise, I always suggest, and I do it myself, we go to the putting green first. And don't work on short putts. We're going to work on long putts, 20 to 30-foot putts, to get a little bit of the feel to see how the speed of the green is and how much hit you have to have. From that point, go to the practice bunker and the pitching area, if they're available. Go hit a few shots there, maybe 10 shots from each. Then move into the um, move into the driving range where we're hitting – Little bitty, uh, little bitty swings. I, you know, I refer to it as a Hogan drill. It's where we've got our arms connected to our body, and we're just working on a little bit of a weight shift, hitting a partial swing with a nine iron or a pitching wedge, just to get that feel on those little shots. Then we start to move it into the longer clubs, and then come back to the putting. And I think that getting that feel is something that's very important. Um, you know, and, and I think people forget that they go. The first thing they do is they race to the range. And they hit 16 or 18 or 20 drivers where most people are going to be hitting a maximum of 18 drivers in a round and more like 13 to 14. So, right. you know, the, the short end of it, you're going to be hitting a lot more wedges and putters, but they're warming up on the other end of the bag. And I think that that creates, right. you know, a little bit of a false narrative with them of what's, what's most important. So I think that's, uh, that's right. a little bit of where we need to go. Right, and that's a great point, and, and I and I get it. And this goes back to what Jamie was just talking about—you know, playing games, making it interesting. I think what what deters a lot of people from doing just what you're talking about is the fact that you see a lot of people go out there, and you know, I, I agree. If if you're not, you know, making some challenging games or or you know, kind of inventing up a little different approach, yeah, it can get a little boring to stand there hitting putt after putt. It's the same, you know, thing with uh, even chipping and that. If you're not making it fun and making it interesting and, and presenting some kind of a challenge uh, to yourself. And the idea, too, is, you know, if you're throwing a half a dozen or so balls down in the same spot and just chipping from that spot, you're not really, uh, you know, you're not going to be faced with that exact same chip shot um, 
for 18 holes. Um, so you got to vary the lengths. You got to vary the challenges. Um, you know, sometimes you might be uh, doing it from just off the green little ways, and sometimes you might be a little bit further away um, where a longer chip is, is or the pins cut in different locations. So there's a lot of variables that have to happen, and, and I think you're exactly right. I think we need to uh, help people to understand that drives are important, but um, your putter and your wedges and, and your shorter irons are really your scoring clubs. Um, Jamie, uh, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to get your thoughts on this as well, because I know with, with a lot of the martial arts training and stuff that you do uh, with some of your students that this sort of falls right into your wheelhouse. But um, working on your tempo, the timing of your swing is massively important. And uh, I think really this is one of the areas that quite often, one of the tips, if you will, that gets ignored even in the industry. Um, we cert- certainly see it at the professional level, uh, but amateurs don't really think about their timing and their tempo. And we see great players like Freddie Couples and you know Ernie Ells that have a really good fluid tempo. And then we see somebody like a Nick Price, which has a little quicker swing, but yet he still has a good tempo. And then, of course, we see a lot of the ladies on the LPJ as well. They understand what tempo, the importance of it is, and they are things that they actually work on without people really realizing it, but many of our amateurs don't. Touch a little bit on tempo. It's a great question because it is so important. Smooth is probably the greatest, uh, greatest quality and greatest word that we can, you know, exemplify in our golf swing. And that comes from having timing and tempo, which come from sequence. It's so vital to follow a sequence in your swing. So if you think about it, if you ask most anybody, even not a very athletic person, to throw a ball, they will just sort of take little steps, kick off their back, back uh, foot and knee, and then their arm swings and they throw a, a ball, and it's a smooth motion. If you watch someone or you stand at uh, like a free throw line, you kind of go down, you come up, and then you throw the ball. It happens really naturally. We have a tempo, and that's because we follow a sequence. And the sequence has to do mm-hmm. with sort of this lower to the upper body. And uh, it's like you – Unfortunately, in golf, we tend to emphasize the shoulder turn and the hands and all of this, and we don't teach sequence nearly enough as far as I'm concerned. So um, for the Mm. martial arts, for example, we have this concept called kata or form practice, like Tai Chi people in the park. They'll do a, a form practice. And the golf swing, honestly, is a repeating form. And we, if you go through every sport, you'll notice that every sport, the sequence is lower to upper body feet, hips, and then shoulders, elbows, hands, you know, release the ball kind of thing. Um, it would be there in, in tennis, every single sport. We don't follow that. We don't teach it nearly enough in the three phases of the golf swing, which are backswing, downswing, impact, follow-through. So if you pattern mm-hmm. those in sequence, you will automatically develop sequence, which will give you timing, tempo, and rhythm. You can't talk yourself into it, and what most people do is something very surface that doesn't work, which they go, oh, slow down. i got to slow down. I'm going too fast. That doesn't give you timing, tempo, rhythm. You need sequence. Mm-hmm. I compare it to a washing machine. It has to go through its cycle. You can't go from wash to spin and then back to rinse. and You, know, um, you can't skip any yeah, right. and it goes through its cycle, and you can't mm-hmm. speed it up. That's how you get timing and tempo and rhythm, developing that proper lower to upper body sequence in the phases of the golf swing. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And and you are 100% right on that. Is uh, Again, um, we don't really focus on uh, that area a lot. I think 
that we rely on. You know, everybody has a natural body rhythm, um, believe it or not, and it's a matter of really finding what your rhythm is. Again, as I mentioned in some of the examples, you know, some folks like a Freddie Couple or even an Ernie Els are very, very slow in their swing, uh, especially Freddie. You know, it's just a very uh, sort of a gingerly backswing, and then but he comes through with a lot of explosive power. But when you watch him, you know, you think, wow, he's just, you know, he's just out there in the park and having a good time and he's not really, you know, doing much, but he hit it a long way. Ernie Els is very similar to that. But if you notice, it's very fluid. It's very, uh, uh, the tempo and their timing is, is spot on and they very, very rarely uh, get out of sequence. So yeah, it is a very important uh, area of the game that I think sometimes gets overlooked by many amateurs. Um, Bill, this is a, something that a lot of people, and this is really coming from, again, the instructional side, uh, it seems very simple, but I think it, it, it speaks volumes. Um, you know, when your club makes contact with the ball, this is really the moment of truth uh, as the ball gets sort of its marching orders from the club face. Um, almost every golfer no, has no understanding of where they are making impact on their irons and woods, uh, and it's extremely important information. So uh, obviously in the industry we have things like impact tape that we put on uh, so that the golfers can see where they're actually making contact. Um Talk about that. Is that something that, that often that you will incorporate if if somebody's hitting a lot of miss hits, just to to show where they're you know actually making contact? And do you often get into an explanation as to because a lot of people don't think they just think they see this big club face thing you know anywhere is fine, uh, especially newer students, and they don't realize that different areas of the club face make the ball react differently. Talk a little bit about the importance of impact. And then do you use something like an impact tape or uh, other things that people use as an example might be even a dry erase marker uh, and, and sort of mark it off so that when you hit it, it shows exactly where the ball is impact. Talk a little bit about impact. You know, I, I go just a little bit different than that, Ted, because one of the things that I find is, and I, I should have termed this phrase years ago, impact anxiety. I think that's one of the right. things that kills a lot of club and recreational golfers is they're anxious about where the club is hitting the ball as opposed to letting the momentum carry you on through. Something like the orange whip allows us to get the body pattern allowing the club to move through. And we know um, as instructors that people have a tendency to stop or slow down or tap the brakes at impact. I worry a little bit right. more about where the through swing goes. I'll do something very simple where a player is bottoming out too early. They'll hit chunk shots and they'll hit thin shots yep. because they're holding back the right, a right-handed player. It goes back. I'll take two tees, put a golf ball in the middle of them with the back edge there and say, okay, pull the ball away, take a rehearsal swing. And you'll see the divot happen behind, behind the ball. So now they're hitting a toe and they're, now they're worried about everything. Go ahead, now put the ball down and, and, and suggest that the bottom point of that swing happens either equal to or past the ball. Now all of a sudden they have it. And I think that's one of the things we have to worry about a little bit is, you know, trying to be so perfect as to where it's hitting the face as opposed to allowing the club to move through with momentum. And all of a sudden that happens and the ball hits more in the center of the face. And even if it's a little low on the face, that's good with a square face because the player is going to have a much more successful shot. You're, you're exactly right. And that's a really great point because I, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, when my father was first teaching me golf, and he always said to me, he said, you know what, don't worry about hitting the ball. He said, just swing the club and let the ball get in the way. And that's essentially how he taught me this game. 
And you're right. I, I mean, we obviously do understand realistically that impact is important, but you're exactly right in your analogy that a lot of golfers focus too much. Okay. Am I going to tow this one or I'm going to hit it in the heel? Uh, you know, I got to make sure I hit it in the sweet spot and it's okay to, to point some of these things out in, in the very early stages to explain what happens when ball, the you know, ball impacts in these different areas. But you're right. I think if we make too much emphasis on there, then what happens is if they feel if the swing doesn't feel right to them and they don't think they're going to make that good solid contact, they start slowing down or decelerating, and then all of a sudden they're hitting fat and chunky shots or or they're pulling it or pushing it or what have you because they're so worried about hitting impact. And I always say to my corporate clients, I always say, look, just swing the club naturally. Just take a practice swing and and swing it naturally and let me know how that feels. And then when you get in front of the ball. Just do the same thing. Repeat it again. Just take as though you're taking a practice swing. The only difference is the ball is going to get in the way, and you're not focusing on whether you make good impact or not. You're just focusing on repeating that good practice swing. This time the ball is going to get in the way. Um, great point, though. I, I like what, uh, what you said. Um, another area, too, Jamie, that I want to come to you is uh, really to experiment with your swing. Um, you know, a lot of uh, golfers, uh, you know, again, as we talked about earlier, get out on the practice tee, and they're kind of hitting the same shots, um, not really mixing it up much. But, you know, golf throws so many different scenarios at you. Uh, you know, as an example, your your ball might be stuck behind a tree, maybe on a st- steep uh, side hill lie and, and, and uh, you know, or catch an awkward lie in the rough. Um, so this is why you have to kind of experiment a little bit. Um, give us an example about experimenting with your swing, if you will. And, and I don't mean necessarily swing changes because obviously you don't want to change your swing, but obviously some shots may require some adjustments here and there. Maybe give us an example or two. Oh, I'm sorry. I was on mute. Um, a couple of things. Oh, that's um, okay. Yeah. Uh, just to go with um, kind of mixing it up. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to teach trouble shot school. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. we need to get back together to, to, to do that. Although you can, you can still play with that at home or wherever, you know, when, when you, anybody goes to practice. So, and that is to put your ball in different situations. So you have to go under a tree and you're uphill and you're side hill and you're under a lip or, you know, you've got a, a fried egg in the, you know, in, in the bunker. So, those are fun things to try and we have to kind of demystify that they're scary or we don't know what to do. So it's good to get a little bit of instruction on how you play each of those different shots. But I mean, we'll do two, three days and all we do is trouble shots and we go on the golf course and all we do is put ourselves in trouble and terrible situations so that we can feel confident and not, not afraid when we get in those situations, quote unquote, for real on the golf course. Nice to practice that way. Um, Honestly, Ted, Annika, almost every pro I've seen says that most shots are like about 90% same swing. And I think the biggest thing is that we want to be able to uh, have a repeatable swing. Now, you can play with how do I hit a fade? And so maybe open um, or how do I hit a draw? Open your stance, close your stance, put your right foot forward, put your right foot back, play with the position of your hands when you're rolling your hands over or holding the club uh, club face uh, you know, a little bit open or boom, straight, holding it out at the end of a chip shot um, or a short shot. So, you know, these are things that you can play with to quote unquote work the ball. But I think most people really need more than anything is to get a consistent, repeatable swing. (laughs) And um, to kind of relate that back to your last question about 
making impact on the ball. Uh, we do essentially need to make what we call centered contact, and you want to hit that sweet spot that's placed between two vibrational nodes. And I always say that most people make centered contact on a random basis. They don't know what's going to come out, right? And those are the ones that keep you coming back. Right. Those are your good ones. Uh, um, but mm-hmm. how do we make consistent centered contact? And one of my sort of ki golf or martial arts golf approaches to that is if I'm centered and I'm moving in a stable, properly se- sequenced way, centered plus centered is going to equal centered. My club's going to bottom out and make mm-hmm. contact at that centered place. So I think practicing um, actually consistent uh, repeatable, sequential, centered, balanced, stable motion, and developing a, a consistent center contact, raising our percentages from random to a consistent 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent, that's when we're going to see some real improvement. And also when you miss, you're not going to miss by so much. Maybe you'll be in the rough instead of the woods or out of bounds. Uh, so I actually think that's important, and it's not to stop at the ball by any means. It's looking at what your your body and your swing motion so that the club does swing on a proper kind of peripheral motion from your centered motion with you in the middle of that. The periphery is where, boom, that's where the, the, the ball's on the periphery. You want to have a consistent arc, consistent orbit. Um, so that's kind of my approach to it. Center plus centered is going to equal centered. That's right. Well said. And it goes back to, you know, the earlier, right. It goes back to the early point about uh, tempo as well. And, you know, when you're, when you're uh, swinging in in a balanced and centered uh, way, your, your, your tempo is obviously going to be improved as well. And, and again, ultimately you're going to make a good center contact. Uh, Well said. Thank you. Um, Bill, the, one of the other things too, that a lot of golfers uh, and this kind of eases into uh, sort of the mental side of the game, and that is managing our expectations. Uh, I think part of becoming a happy and more successful golfer is all about managing your expectations. And one of the main things that golf, uh, I think, really need to learn is not to be so hard on themselves. Uh, be realistic with their abilities, and above all, try to have fun on the golf course and even laugh a little bit at your mistakes. Um, touch on that a little bit, because that's that's something that really you know, Jamie had just said, you know, when we, when we make that, that good center contact and everything feels effortless, you know, that sort of brings us back. And then obviously some difficult situations kind of things like, well, what am I doing out here playing this? I'm just, you know, I suck. I'm not good. Um, but a lot of it time, sometimes I think is, is more mental than physical. Um, they put very high expectations on themselves. So if, if you're talking with a student, what's the conversation like when they come out and say, you know, this is what I'm trying to accomplish and you've seen what they can do and what they can't do, how do you bridge that gap? That's a great question, Ted. For all levels of players, from club level to the collegiate players and mini tour players I work with, um, you know, sometimes people will make their perception on what their perfect is, more or less to what their realistic is. And that goes even into when I fit clubs. Somebody will say to me, well, I'm not hitting it good enough to get fit. I said, well, you know, what we're doing is we're not fitting on your perfect, we're fitting on what your average is. And, you know, a real simple thing that we'll do to show players what that is, and it's, you know, taking this from Bill Davis, the master teacher, who's been a wonderful mentor to me as well in how to teach, take five golf balls off the edge of the green. Tough lie, easy lie, whatever you have. Hit all five and see what your average is. Take the best one and the worst one away and see what your average is. 
What we need to do is work that average in closer to the hole. Get the outlier better, but see what the average three of the five are, and that'll tell you an awful lot about how good a player you are. Um, so often people bank it on they're looking to, to see what their chip-in is versus, you know, a chip-in or something that's really tight, but then they have two outliers that are 20 feet from the hole. That, that is absolutely no good when it comes down to it, but they're, they're expecting that perfect shot. When you can see what your average is, now all of a sudden that, that changes life dramatically for a lot of players, and they understand, okay, this is what I can do and what I'm capable of versus expecting the best on every shot. And, you know, another simple way to do it is, Rate every shot from one to five. One is absolutely horrible. Five is perfect. We need to try to make sure that those shots come out in three, four, and five versus the ones and twos. And I think when we start to look at things from that perception, it allows a player to be more honest with themselves and then really grow as a player. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, you know, I, I think, again, a lot of um, – you know, I see a lot of – players do this and and i'm sure you both have, have had similar experiences um you know they'll come out and and you know they they're hitting their shots well out of the range maybe they've had a couple of good rounds over the last couple of weeks and suddenly they come out and you know what was a pretty decent little stretch um suddenly the wheels fall off the bus and they can't figure out what's happening and one of the biggest mistakes i see with a lot of golfers that think well i must be doing something wrong and so they start tinkering around and they start changing what really was working for them just because they've had a couple of bad, you know, holes or, or even a bad round and they start making drastic changes. And the next thing you know, it's, it's just, you know, chaotic. And again, you know, their expectations, they feel, well, I'm playing good this week. I should be playing good every week. And, you know, that's just not true. I mean, we look at the, the professionals. I mean, yes, they're more consistent than maybe you and I are, but that's because they're playing a lot more golf and they're working on key areas but they have their bad days too and i think it goes to the point where you know you have to be realistic and you have to be uh, honest with yourself and say what are my goals what am i trying to accomplish out here and what do i need to do to achieve those goals and this comes down to my next question for you jamie and that is routine you know part of being a better golfer is becoming more comfortable obviously on the golf course so and if you watch most of the better players they have a a very repeatable routine during their rounds. And, uh, you know, they'll walk at the same pace. They do the same things before every shot. And there's a timing and rhythm to, to it all. Uh, and no two players have this exact same routine. Um, why don't you maybe expand a little bit more on that, um, the importance of having not just a pre-shot routine, but an overall routine out in the golf course. Well, routine gives us grounding, you could say. And, you know, we like to feel grounded. We like to feel some stability. Mm. We like to feel comfortable. And if you think about the peak performance zone, I usually share a, a, a graphic of the human function curve. And, you know, if we don't have an, a, enough stress, enough pressure, we're not that motivated. And then we do need a certain amount of stress and pressure. That's a good thing. It, we, we're energized. And zone, and from the, then then after the comfort zone is the stretch zone, and so our and that goes up to kind of a hump, and then we start going downhill after that, where it's too much stress, and we it's it's too far out of our comfort zone, too, our stretch zone is too much, it's unrealistic, kind of what you're talking about a minute ago, and 
So we want to keep ourselves in a comfort to stretch zone. And you can afford to stretch yourself when you feel comfortable. So that's the first thing. And feeling comfortable is what routine does for us. So when we kind of come into, we're present. First of all, you got to be present in your body and getting centered and grounded and balanced and organized and kind of integrating our left and right sides of our body and our mind, our, our brain hemispheres. All these things go into it. And then when we, we feel good, we need to feel good, you know, breathing, relaxation, the temple that you walk at. Uh, easy to notice that, let's say you hit a bad shot, you're in a tough situation, maybe you didn't get out of it so well, or maybe you were in a great situation in the middle of the fairway and then you pulled your shot and now you're in the bunker left of the green or you, you know, messed it up. And now all of a sudden you're walking fast. That's getting out of tempo, out of routine, out of timing. So it's so important to, for each person to know what that feels like. Uh, what, what, what do you feel like? What do I feel like when I'm in my sort of relaxed, focused, present, aware um, rhythm and, and zone, we could say. And uh, that's so important is to keep that. And when you get out of it, you want to come back to it. So it's kind of like having home base. We all need a home base, mm-hmm. and we establish that in ourselves. We establish that on a golf course. And that's what having a pre-shot routine and a post-shot routine, an in-between shots routine, in-between holes routine, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think it's, it's about each person knowing wh- what that is, what is that comfort zone um, and that slightly stretched zone that they can handle because they're already in their comfort zone. That's where you're going to perform your best, and that's where you want to come back to when you get out of it because we do. We lose it. We get out of it. We get reactive. That's okay. We're human, and just then you want to fall back to your sort of home-based feeling and, and tempo as you're walking and, 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 you know, all the things that you do. And it could be, you know, how you wash your ball, uh, how you put your club mm-hmm. in the bag and then put, put the club uh, cover back on it. All those little things go into it. And, but the main idea is, that, is to ground yourself and keep yourself present, calm, grounded. Well said. Um, Bill, there's another one here that I want to ask you that I think really is, you know, some people might find it, um, you know, not a high priority, but you'd be surprised at how many golfers fall into this trap. And, and that's the old adage about never giving up. Um, you know, every round of golf is an opportunity to learn about your game. Um, if things aren't going your way, um, too often people will pack it in for the day by the eighth hole or they're just, you know, the ninth hole and they decide I'm not going to play it. And they start ingraining bad habits as well. They're, they're rushing their, or, you know, they may not necessarily drop off the golf course, but, you know, if they're not doing well uh, by, you know, the, the turn, if you will, suddenly their round has just, they feel has, has sort of gone down the, down the drain. And, um, but each round is a learning opportunity. Um, again, not only about your game, but about your character and so forth. Um, when you're faced with a student who just, things are just not going well and they, um, and it could be a collegiate player. It could be just, uh, you know, an amateur, what have you, um, Again, what's the conversation that you have with them um, when you see signs of, of what I'm talking about start to happen? That's pretty good, Ted, because all of us as competitors <laughs> and professionals have done that. And, you know, it, it's, you just, there's, there's a certain level of getting hacked off with yourself, I guess is the best way I can put it in front of a, <laughs> in front of a, 
a community right. audience here. But we, we all do. We want it and we care about it so much that we just get so upset that we forget about it. One of the drills that I do, especially with high school elite players, is I'll know at that point in the season here, especially in the north, it'll be end of June, mm-hmm. beginning of July, they play in a lot of uh, events. We'll do a little drill where I'll have them hit five shots, and I need them to yell out out loud, not quietly, what they liked about each shot. Then we'll go back and do a little drill, come back, hit five, hit five shots, and tell me two things you liked about each shot. And pretty soon it changes the way we look at things because we get so tough and so just absolutely ruthless on our, on our, on our own person. And, you know, that's been, been kind of, you know, drilled into us. We have to be so tough. But yet in this game, as in life, we, we are our own coach. We are our own best friend. We are our own teammate. And if we continually beat ourselves up, it's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a very productive outcome. So that's a way that I do it with players to really help them find something good in every shot. And it's amazing when you see these players coming in and they're, they're extremely critical, and then they leave an hour group session, especially the younger ones, their chest is up, they're, they're looking at things from an entirely different, you know, an entirely different perspective. And I think that's one of the things that I've found with players is a really good way to do it. When you start to get down on yourself, start to find something good in every shot because you will. And being that positive, you know, that's a good way to live life and to, uh, you know, and especially to play the game of golf. Yeah, yeah, well said. You know, it, it reminds me this past Tuesday on uh, the other program, Women of Golf, that I uh, do with my co-host Cindy Miller. Uh, we, um, of course, this season has been a little bit interrupted because of the COVID, but uh, um, typically for the last four or five years, we've been featuring a lot of the winners and even some of the runners-up off of the Symmetra Tour. And this past Tuesday, we had a young lady who uh, had played through uh, collegiate golf at the University of Georgia, and uh, she was runner-up in, in a tournament that they just had a couple of weekends ago. And it's right along this point that that you know we were just discussing here. And there was a point during her college time, even though she had a lot of uh, great moments and had many accolades throughout her time, there was actually a point in time where she felt like giving up. And what was interesting is in the discussion, we talked about what, you know, what her goal was as a golfer and she wanted to be the number one player. You know, that was a, a big goal for her was to be the number one player. And, you know, when she got, gets out on tour and what was interesting yet, even though she had that as a goal and has had that from a very, very early age, there was a point in time where her game got to a, a level that she was not satisfied. So she started again, that that mindset started to develop where she didn't feel um, that she was going to be able to compete the way she wanted to to achieve that goal. So she felt like she was packing in the clubs. And then finally she realized that, no, if I want to achieve what I want to achieve, I have to change. And it wasn't a matter of changing her golf swing. It wasn't a matter of changing how she flighted the ball. It was a matter of changing her mindset. And now, you know, she's come back out this season. And, you know, uh, again, even though it's been a, 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 you know, a, a strained season to say the least. Uh, she came out in in the second tournament that they actually played this year and finished runner-up with a very strong finish. So, um, you know, again, it goes to don't ever give up. You know, set goals and and just sort of uh, you know have a process, have a de- 
a development, if you will, on, on how you're going to address things. And you're going to have some ups and downs. You're going to have some bad rounds. But if you stay focused on the task at hand, I think that uh, you're going to sort of get through those difficult times. Uh, Jamie, I got a good one for you, I think, to, to sort of wrap things up a little bit as we get close to our time. Uh, and this is another area um, is controlling your breathing. This is an area, again, a lot of golfers, especially amateur golfers, do not get and don't understand. Um, they don't know it, but golf uh, can create so much stress, which we all can relate to, that it actually triggers what they refer to as a fight or flight response in the body. So the heart, as an example, beats a little bit faster, blood pressure starts to increase, and your mind begins to race. Um, There are some things that that make it harder to focus and stay in the moment. So um, some things like some simple breathing exercises can help to to sort of calm those nerves down and and get you back into a more relaxed state. Why don't you uh, touch on a little bit of that? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you know, Ted, that's really a very big topic that I do my corporate trainings on and all of my, uh, the mental game, or I call it the mind-body game aspect in my golf mastery schools, because stress, it's called Stress Less, Prosper More is the name of the program. And I think everybody Mm -hmm. needs to understand stress. And it's called the stress response. And the typical stress response is those, those three F's, yeah, fight, flight, freeze. Uh, and we need to be able to identify our own kind of stress signature. How do we get, yeah? And we all need to know that what happens is we get flooded with basically the biochemistry of stress, which is a lot of adrenaline and cortisol. And adrenaline on the street is known as speed. So imagine operating with a lot of speed. You're like, ah, speedy, speedy. And that's why your heart rate's going up and palms are sweating, all of that. We're, we have racy thinking. All of that uh, is combined with a neurophysiology of a stress response, which is that our brain function goes from prefrontal cortex, which is higher thought, higher reasoning, good decision-making. In a, in a flash, it goes down to our limbic brain, otherwise known as primitive lizard brain. So we're not thinking so well, and we're also flooded with uh, basically speed and cortisol. So we need to appreciate that fact and know that we're not thinking and deciding very clearly. We are, our emotional intelligence goes down. We get sort of hijacked, as the emotional intelligence people call it. We get hijacked by our emotions and our physical performance. You know, we're getting shaky and nervous, and all of a sudden we can't make a swing that we, or a putt that we could make at any other moment. And our spirits, our mojo can go down. So, you know, we need to be able to manage that stress response. I think that In order to play well, everybody needs to have some basic stress education and stress management tools. And it turns out that, yeah, take a breath, but breathing and belly breathing, which is from martial arts, belly breathing is calming, stress breathing's up, sort of hysterical up in the chest, Mm -hmm. Uh, and focusing. I like to focus in the center. The mind needs to move, and instead of being distracted or going into all the negativity, oh, just put it in your belly, put it in your legs and your feet, your ground that's very calming, organizing techniques where we, when we get centered, all of this counteracts that biochemistry, that neurophysiology, and then we can perform better. So um, really, stress education and stress management, some easy tools that you can do right then and there. You can use your golf club to center yourself. Um, and to calm yourself. You have your body. That's all you got on the golf course, you, your body, your mind, and your, and your golf club. Use those things to manage your stress, get yourself that calm, centered, organized, integrated focus. Not that hard to do. Now you're back. Now you can swing. Now you can play and perform. 
So um, it's a it's a really important question, and I just think we need uh, everybody needs basic training in stress in, in their own stress management to understand how they're being affected and how they can um, you know change that biochemistry, calm all that flooding of, of the bad stuff, get some dopamine, some serotonin, get the good stuff going on, and we can do that. Right, exactly. Well said. And interestingly enough, in the uh, latest issue that's going to be hitting um, uh, newsstands in, in a, f- a few weeks um, for golf tips, uh, Dr. Joe Parent, who is the uh, author of Zen Golf, actually uh, has uh, submitted an article on uh, proper breathing, uh, which will, I guarantee, help some of the golfers. He's taken it from one of the chapters in his book. Um, so you definitely want to stay tuned for that. That's going to be coming out, uh, as I said, um, in newsstands, I believe, in uh, a, f- a few more weeks. Um, but, um, again, he talks about that. Um, Bill, we've got just sort of a, a quick moment or two on uh, for one more question. And, and I, I sort of touched on it briefly, but maybe you could uh, add a little bit to it. And, and it, it really goes to the point uh, of, of setting goals. Uh, the best way, really, to focus your mind uh, and complete uh, your golf game is to establish specific measurable goals. So when you're working, let's say, you know, taking uh, some of your, uh, your, your collegiate or even uh, your high school uh, golfers, um, they need to have some uh, established goals in order to uh, stay focused. Uh, what are some things, and, and uh, again, maybe explain that conversation you're having with them on how you set some realistic goals uh, to help pursue and develop your game? You know, that, that's a uh, great point, Ted. Um, I think really it comes down to what makes you happy. And I think that's something that we miss sometimes. You know, people say, well, I want to win this, I want to win that, I want to do this, I want to do that. But it really comes down to what truly makes you happy. And if we can't do things that make us happy, you know, there, there's no sense in, in taking on a certain activity. And, you know, we've been, we've been just so beat up by you got to find it in the dirt. You got to do this. You got to do that. Everybody has to do this. You have to have 300 balls a day when you're seven iron to make it good. But, you know, I've had that conversation with some really high level players before and they start to get in a little bit of a funk and I'll say, okay, what makes you happy? Well, winning. Okay. Well, how do we win? Answer me, hit the ball closer to my targets. Okay, well, how do we do that? And then pretty soon that light bulb comes on. You know, it's not so much goal setting sometimes isn't about, you know, reaching up and saying I'm going to qualify for state and I'm going to qualify for USAM and I'm going to do this. It's, it's getting those internal perceptions in line so much better with yourself and making yourself realize those and become aware of yourself that allow you to, to succeed. Yeah, exactly right. You know, I think a lot of people, um, whether it's, you know, going to the range and, and warming up their game or uh, hitting the golf course really don't prepare properly. They think their preparation, as you mentioned earlier, Bill, is, you know, I'll get up there and I'll pull my driver out and I'll hit, you know, 14, 15, maybe even 18 drives and, and then I'm ready to go. And they don't really come in with a game plan. They don't really have set a goal for, for what they, you know, what they want to accomplish. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, if you're a, a 25 handicapper and you want to say I'm, I want to try to get myself below 90 uh, on a consistent basis. 
So I'm going to focus on doing that. And that's really not necessarily the best goal to, to come out with. That may be a long-term goal that you want to shoot for um, uh, throughout the season, but you know, there's other goals that you can set. You know, I want to make sure that I give myself a goal might be, I want to make sure that on every hole I give myself an opportunity to score. Now, whether that uh, again is um, going for birdie or an Eagle uh, depending on your level of play, it might be something bogey might be your goal. If you're a, a really high handicapper, um, you're barely breaking a hundred shooting bogey uh, on a hole might be a goal. And if you can focus on something like that, instead of, um, you know, focusing on uh, certain swing techniques and things like that, a lot of times keeping the goals very simple uh, and attainable and reachable and, and easy to, to accomplish and then work your way up, I think can be uh, much better in the long run. Um, Guys, you did a great job on tonight's discussion. I appreciate that very much. And I'm going to give each of you, as I always do, uh, an opportunity to share with the listeners the best way to reach you. And if you've got uh, something that's uh, cooking in the next little while that you want to plug, by all means, go ahead and do that. Um, Bill, I'll let you go first and then Jamie. Thanks again, as always, for having us, Ted. And this is a wonderful forum uh, for us to show players you know, there's a lot of ways to think about yourself and, and, and really improve as, as people and as players. Easiest way to get in touch with me is BillAbramsGolf.com. All my contact information is right there. And, uh, you know, with everything going on today, we have to live in an extremely fluid world. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have to look at. And I want to tell players really quickly is manage – the best way to manage yourself is to manage a situation, not let it manage you. And I think right from there, in anything we do, will help you move on no, no longer as a, as a golfer, but as a, as a player and as a player in life. So thanks again. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jamie and Ted, and thanks so much for a wonderful conversation as always. All right. I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you. And, Jamie, uh, go ahead. Let the folks know the best way uh, to reach out to you, and if you've got anything that you want to uh, quickly plug, uh, by all means, go ahead. Uh, sure. And yeah, I just want to say thank you. Uh, this is really always so wonderful to be able to, to share our thoughts and discuss and such great questions, Ted. So thank you. Um, and people can reach me through my website and you'll get to the same place. If you go to kiigolf.com, K-I-A-I golf.com or the centered way.com, they'll take you to the same place. I just completed a, a second virtual golf mastery school it was just really awesome and game-changing for people um it's a four-part series and the recordings are all available so if somebody's interested before i do the next one which will probably be a few months down the line the um, golf mastery school is available that way and people can reach me um jamie at kiagolf.com i always say i like to uh, just make that personal contact. So now we do that on Zoom. Uh, got lots of golf lessons that way. Call me, 760-492-GOLF-4653. I'm always responsive. Uh, social media, particularly LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm, I'm there. And, um, yeah, so, you know, another Golf Mastery School will be coming up. Next week I have a fitness program that's online. It's an hour and a half Wednesday morning. Uh, it's called Bliss, Balance, Lengthen, Integrate, Stretch, Strengthen. And we have Golf Bliss, Office Bliss, a lot of, a lot of great fitness stuff that builds the mind-body connection and this whole centered kind of power. So, um, and, and, of course, I do private sessions. So um, those are the best ways to reach me these days. All right, well, very good. 
Well, again, thank you, uh, Bill and Jamie, for always uh, bringing your best to the Coach's Corner panel, and I appreciate tonight's discussion. And hopefully the listeners uh, took away a few uh, nuggets from our discussion um, that will help them with their game. So uh, be well, be safe, and have a great weekend, guys. And I will see you next time here on the Coach's Corner panel on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, everybody. Big thanks. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Hey, Jamie, Ted, it's always a pleasure, and thanks. All right. Uh, looks like we got uh, Bill dropped in the middle of a sentence, so I apologize, Bill. Um, again, I want to thank Jamie uh, Leno Zimron and Bill Abrams for uh, joining us here on uh, Golf Talk Live's Coach's Corner Panel. It's always a great discussion uh, that we have um, the first half of the show and, and uh, always have some different folks coming on each and every uh, Thursday evening for the first hour and like to mix it up with uh, get some different perspectives and different views. And what is interesting about the the panel discussion for those of you that are maybe uh, tuning in for the first time. What's interesting about it is not only do you, the golfers, uh, hopefully pick up some good nuggets uh, from, as I said, from our discussions, but many of our fellow professionals uh, that tune into the show also uh, learn some things as well. Um, quite often, uh, we will share uh, some different techniques that have been successful for us in our teaching platforms that maybe another coach or teach professional has not uh, implemented quite yet. And so sometimes they can pull some, some information from their fellow professionals and say, you know what, I didn't think about that, or that's maybe something I'm going to try with my students. So there's always a lot of good information and always want to hear from you. So you're always welcome to reach out to me. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show, uh, you can do so by uh, emailing me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's Ted dot golf talk live at gmail.com and if you're somebody that's been listening to the program and maybe you're working uh with the teaching professional uh at one of the great uh, uh you know courses around the country uh and maybe you want to see if they've been on the show before um reach out to them and say hey i've been listening to a program i think you might really like and um here's how you can reach out to the guy that hosts the show and maybe he'll have you on as a special guest and um, I'm always happy to do that. So, again, that email is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. All right, my very special guest this evening is Dustin Irwin, and he is the Director of Operations uh, for the Omni La Costa Resort and Spa in California, and he is a 25-year veteran of the golf industry uh, with uh, experience with some of the finest brands and destinations in golf, including the one I just mentioned, uh, he supervises all golf-related programs as well as the two 18-hole golf courses and golf staff. So he's the man in charge, as it were. So let me welcome my very special guest this evening, Dustin Irwin from La Costa Resort and Spas. Good Thanks, evening, Ted. Dustin. Welcome. Good evening, Ted. All How right. are you doing? I'm doing very well, Dustin. Thank you for uh, for joining me this evening. I appreciate it. And uh, let me just start out this way. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you've been around golf for, for a few years, uh, 25 plus. How did you get involved in golf? Um, what was the first memory that you have of being introduced to the, to the game of golf? Um, well, I've, I've really been doing it my, uh, really since I could start working. I grew up in Wisconsin, and uh, I started caddying at the local private club. Uh, when I was 13 years old, and my goal was to be able to buy a car, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I really uh, I, I really enjoyed the game, and I picked up the game at that time. And my father 
Um, also picked up the game at the same time, so we, we spent a lot of time together on the golf course. And then um, really after about three years of, of caddying, I, I moved into the bag room, and my head golf professional, his name was John Walrich. He's still there at Pine Hills Country Club. He's just an absolute class act, and um, he really was the one that kind of inspired me to, to make a career out of golf. So I've really known I've wanted to be in golf my whole career, and I've been doing it for a long time and been loving it ever since, and I really can't see myself doing anything else. Wow. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting because you don't hear much about caddying anymore. Obviously, that's um, other than obviously on the PJ and the LPJ tours and, and the subsequent uh, mini tours. But um, when it comes to everyday golfers, you don't really hear a lot about that anymore. And it's a shame, really, because I think, and I'm sure you can attest to this, it was a great way to be introduced to the game. Um, and also, you learned a lot, did you not? I learned I learned a ton. I mean, and it, it taught me, you know, the value of a dollar. And I, you know, when I started caddying, I, I think that I think I made I think I made eight dollars for my first loop. And it was actually funny. I caddied for my orthodontist at the time, who probably had 18 clubs in his bag and about 47 golf balls. And uh, he tipped me a dollar, which was uh, incredible because I spent four and a half hours with him. And then when I'd go see him for a five-minute uh, orthodontist uh, appointment. I, I think my parents would get a $100 bill. So it was, uh, but it was, it was, it, it, I, I loved every minute of it. And I, you know, I, I think uh, that really helped it, me learn the game quicker by going out and watching good players play and watch how they conduct themselves on the golf course and how they manage the game and how they manage the course. And um, yeah, so I, I really, you know, I, I, I'd be curious to imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't started caddying, but uh, I'm really glad I did. Well, and what a cool, you know, summer job, too, really, to have. You know, a lot of people, uh, and I'm sure you've got a lot of perks uh, as a caddy, um, you know, at the facility that you were, you were doing that. Um, most of them do, I'm sure, that uh, offer um, some playing perks and things like that. Obviously, maybe select times of the day and whatnot. But, uh, again, it's a great way to be exposed to the game. So let's talk about uh, uh, La Costa uh a little bit. We'll get into a little bit about the experience there. So we, let's sort of remove the elephant out of the room. So with a lot of this going on now with the pandemic, obviously, I mean, you know, unless you've been living in a cave and you don't have television, um, you know, there's golf has been very fortunate when it comes to social distancing. It's one of those games and sports that, um, you know, allows you to really adhere to uh, some of the, the protocols and so forth. Um, but obviously, early on, uh, when things really first hit, especially out in California, uh, there have been a lot of restrictions. So kind of spring us up to speed. We know what's been happening over the last several months, but where are things now? Are you pretty much uh, fully open um, to the public and so forth? And how, what's the current status of things where you are? Yeah, it's it's been uh, 2020 has just been an, an amazing year um, in so many ways, and uh, so we yeah. actually as of as of um, let's see here, it would have been as of Sunday we opened uh, we reopened all 36 holes. We um, we closed the entire resort closed down March 24th. Um, golf stayed open because we have a big membership component, and so we basically shut down to 18 right. holes, uh, members only walking. Um, we ended up uh, staying open until April 1, and then we got a huge rainstorm, eight inches of rain in three days, uh, flooded a bunch mm. of, uh, flooded our golf course out. A lot of bridges were damaged, um, so we, we've been intermixing, you know, mixing together um, the COVID with all the changes, and then um, also uh, about an 11, I think it was 11 bridges in total that were repaired. 
um, that project uh, as well. So tons of moving parts and pieces, but happy to say we finally have 36 holes open. Uh, a silver lining, I would say, from from COVID, mm-hmm. our Legends course was closed for about three months, and uh, it's incredible what no play, no golf carts will do for the condition of the turf. Um, and, and that golf right. course is in, I've had members, you know, 20-year members here, so they've never seen it look that good. Um, so we're, we're right. coming out of the gates now. Demand is high. Um, the phone's ringing off the hook. The online tee times are going crazy. Um, so it's, it's great. Um, very happy to see. And, you know, like you said, I think golf really, you know, you heard so much negative about golf over the years and, and really got put into a very positive light um, with all this that, that came out. And I'm, there's so many really cool stories that, you know, just, just that have happened here that I'd be happy to share um, at whenever sure. you like. But, uh, yeah, some really cool stuff has come out of this as well. Not all doom and gloom. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and it's tough. And, and I don't know whether you guys experience this or not, but one of the things that I've had from many of the uh, professionals that come on the show, I have a lot of great, uh, you know, PGA and, and even LPGA professionals. One thing that they've uh, many of them have said this year, which was really kind of surprising to them, you know, in in addition to the many cast of characters that come out each and every year for lessons and so forth, and I'm I'm being facetious, of course, but um, they've seen a lot of new people because of COVID, <clears throat> pardon me, um, that have been coming to uh, take lessons and or play that have really never been involved in golf before, just because of the many restrictions in, in other areas and other sports. Uh, families particularly and, and, and uh, you know, uh, spouses and that that maybe normally didn't play with their husbands are coming out to the golf course because they didn't have anything to do. So it's kind of opened the doors to uh, a, an area of, of folks, if you will, that typically wouldn't come out uh, under normal circumstances. So that's got to be a good thing, number one. And have you noticed that as well at your facility? I have, and it's it's been yeah. I mean, golf is 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 booming. There was there's just there was so much pent up demand, and like where I live, um, you know, there's HOA pools, and a lot of places are are still closed. You know, the parks and the playgrounds are. You can go to the park, but you can't play on the on the equipment, and and you know, people were kind of right. I don't want to say forced into golf, but there was really nothing else to do that was an outdoor activity. And yeah, exactly like you said, there's 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 people that are picking up the game, and you know, and instruction is is very busy. Uh, there's a lot of demand for for golf clubs and fittings and things like that. And yeah, we're mm-hmm. like we have we have two different membership components. We have a sport membership, which is kind of a social membership at La Costa. And I've seen a lot of sport members that have never played the game before and are picking it up and taking lessons and buying clubs. And so it's 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 really good stuff to see. It's 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 awesome for golf. Yeah, it's been really good because, in all fairness, and and I know you see the stats. I know an organization your size, you know, you follow the trends, you kind of see what's going on. And really, one of the problems that's been in golf for for the last several years is it, it sort of has redlined a little bit with with the growth of the game. I mean, we see lots of people coming in, but we also see a lot that have left as well. And you know, that mark has been around that twenty four, maybe twenty five million uh, golfers in the United States that kind of play. Um, you know, somewhat consistently throughout the years. Some maybe only play a couple of rounds. Others play pretty regularly. So there hasn't been a lot of growth. So I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing, and I think this is what I'm hearing from you, is we're kind of opening. Again, it's a little bit forced because of the circumstances, but we're starting to see hopefully some new growth and new development in the game that the industry can really capitalize on and say, hey, now we've got some folks that are coming up that may not have come out before. What are we going to do to keep them interested in the game? So that brings me this question. Before we get on to some of the other things that you mentioned, what are some things that La Costa is going to do 
to really take advantage of this opportunity for folks that maybe didn't typically come out to the golf course or typically pick up a golf club, what are you going to do to say, hey, we've got something here for you um, and we want you to, to be a part of it? We're trying to make it as accessible as possible. Um, like when we we had uh, like we we were able to operate nine holes on our Legends course when we were doing uh, bridge repair, and like we set we have a, a set of tees called the Express tees, which are, are forward. They're probably about 2,000 yards, um, but we move like we move the tees uh, up into you know about 150 yards for par fours and about 200 for par fives, and just made it as kid and family friendly as we possibly could. Um, and mm-hmm. like we rent out we have four seat golf carts. Um, we have, you know, push carts and all these things that, that people can use. And, um, yeah, we, we, we just try and make it as accessible as possible. We have a really cool kids play free program. Um, so every day after 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, kids 15 and under play free with a paying adult. Um, so that's been really attractive, just to, and it fills up our tee sheet as well. Um, you know, the walking aspect has been really positive. There's been a lot of people that have ditched their cart plans and said, you know what, I dropped 15, 20 pounds walking when they, when it was only walking. And so there's, there's, yeah, and there's so much good stuff that's come out of it. It's, it's, you know, obviously a, a terrible event and it's still many people suffering, but, um, but yeah, golf is definitely, uh, definitely thriving and we're trying to make it as accessible as possible, whether it's, you know, lowering rates and just whatever we can do to mm-hmm. to stimulate demand. And it's, it's been working so far. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of uh, the folks out there are doing in, in other uh, areas of the country as well. Um, you know, uh, they're trying to be cognizant that obviously a lot of folks are, are, are going through difficult times, and they're trying to make it accessible. I mean, that's what you really want is you want to make the game accessible for everybody, and uh, that's some, some great ways to do that. And one other last thing I want to mention here, uh, you know, as I was reading through some of the notes preparing for this evening, and uh, you guys have done some other things, which is uh, I think kind of cool and and typical for for California, and that is um, to to make the experience overall a little bit more interesting. You know, typically, you know, uh, obviously we, there's uh, some great opportunities to walk around the golf course and and drive in your typical uh, golf courts. Uh, but you guys have some other interesting things. You've got uh, some single rider vehicles, uh, including the what you call the fat scooters and golf boards, uh, which has become a big hit. Uh, and obviously, in this uh, even prior to the age of social distancing, so. Um, and that's become a pretty popular amenity now at uh, La Costa. So tell us about that. What was, how did that come about? Um, well, I got here about three years ago, uh, three years ago in May. And, um, you know, obviously San Diego County has a, a great surf culture and, um, you know, a lot of our members surf and, um, I kind of thought with the golf board, why not, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone. And, um, so we, we, we brought in golf boards first. And uh, very popular. Members love them. Guests love them. There's there's not a lot of golf courses in this area, surprisingly, that are doing them. Um, there was there was a, I think only one other one in, in San Diego County when we started, and I'm not even sure if they're doing it anymore. So we may be the only one that has golf boards. And then we brought fat scooters in just because the cool factor of those things is just off the charts. It's it kind of looks like a chopper. Got big fat tires on it. You put your bag on the back. You know, we, we want people to have fun. Play your music, have fun, bring your dog out, whatever you want to do. Just just have a good time and, you know, right. come back and see us again. And, uh, yeah, and, and the timing of it, obviously, with, with everything being single rider right now, uh, has worked out really well mm-hmm. for us. We've been able to capitalize on it. We get, a lot, we get new customers coming in every single day that say, I want to try a fat scooter, I want to try a golf board. And then when they finish, they say, wow, I don't want to play with a golf cart anymore because you can play faster. You go right to your ball. You know, I, I have member. I have a member that rides motorcycles, and he's like, I get to ride a motorcycle and play golf at the same time. So it's like, you know, you get two bikes right. at the same time. It's fantastic. <laughs> right. 
again, you're opening up kind of to a different demographic too. Uh, again, you've got some uh, surfers that kind of uh, think it's a cool op- opportunity. And, and again, maybe they typically uh, don't play golf, but uh, think, hey, this is kind of neat and I'm going to give it a shot. So it kind of opens the door in a lot of different directions. Um, and, as I mentioned yeah. also too, a little bit in the beginning, uh, you were also instrumental in bringing uh, really some top game improvement programming to La Costa. Um, and some of that included uh, spec, the spec club, uh, sorry, true spec club fitting. Uh, of course, the renowned Dave Pell's uh, scoring game school, and uh, also the uh, one of a kind Robo Golf Pro ro- robotic uh, teaching system. Maybe touch uh, you know a little bit on each of those, um, how they've been effective, and and really a little bit more so that the folks that are tuning in know what they're what they're about. Sure. Um, so I'll start with Robo Golf Pro. Um, it's uh, I, it's funny when I, I my previous job I worked in Florida and I remember getting a phone call from somebody saying oh I've got this thing called the Robo Golf Pro and it's it's really expensive and I said there's absolutely no way we're going to bring it in uh, moved out to La Costa and we had one here and AJ Avoli our director of instruction who's phenomenal um, has been using it for for years and then as as far as I know there's only two in the state uh, of California which is amazing to me mm-hmm. um, but the Robo Golf Pro what's really cool about it is that it just it takes the guesswork out of it, uh, and for those of you at home, the Robo Golf Pro is, is it's a robot, and there's there's a there's a grip, so you're holding onto it, and it it takes you through uh, what a proper golf swing is, and uh, so you could say I want to feel what Tiger Woods swing felt like in 2006, and you can program that into the robot, or in most cases they just want to improve their game, so if they're way over the top, you can program the robot to to start the downswing, you know, more on the on the inside plane. Uh, it really teaches leg, which I think is, is the key to power. I mean, so many people cast the club at the top instead of holding that angle. Right. Uh, that, that's probably the most noticeable thing, I, I think, is that it, it teaches that, that leg, which really gets, um, it really gets power into the swing. Like for AJ, he works with a lot of like LPGA, play, tours, uh, LPGA tour players, sorry, um, right. and there might be a language yep. barrier. This breaks down that language barrier. It's, it's, it's hard to you know, translate some of the things in golf uh, if you don't speak the same language, I mean, even English to English, sometimes it's difficult. Um, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I've been really, really impressed with it. Our members love it. They can, you know, like after they take a lesson with AJ, they can actually book robot reps. So they'll, they'll go and take a half an hour uh, of block and they'll take 10 reps on the robot and go hit 10 balls in the range, 10 reps on the robot, 10 balls in the range. And it's, it's really a great way to take it from the, from the, from the teaching tee right to the golf course in a very short amount of time, you get you get very quick. Uh, people really grasp the concept very quickly. So that's that piece, That's a really exciting piece. Um, when I got here, um, True Spec Golf, I, I had been exposed to uh, at Doral in Miami when I, I worked in Florida prior to here. Uh, was just blown away with the quality of of the fitting, the quality of the build. Uh, I love the fact that, like for Carlsbad, we have you know, pretty much every golf club OEM, you know, every golf manufacturer is right. based in Carlsbad. And a lot of right. members, you know, here are work for the manufacturers. So for me, with TrueSpec being a brand agnostic company, I thought it was the perfect fit for La Costa because it, it, it's not promoting any specific brand. It's promoting and you're going to get fit and what's going to be recommended to you is going to be what performs best, not necessarily a specific brand. So your set makeup, if right. you get a full set, you could have five different brands of clubs in there, but it's whatever performs the best. And that's, that's what I love about TrueSpec Golf. We've got an amazing fitter named Steve Ziff. That's, he was at uh, Titleist Performance Institute for, I think, 13 or 14 years. He's probably fit every 
top-level tour player that, that came through there. Um, so he's doing an amazing job. And then um, I'd worked with uh, the Pels team uh, at, at one of my other previous positions in Arizona. And uh, we have an awesome short game area here, two bunkers, about 70 yards of, of, uh, of area to hit. Um, and it was kind of unused. Uh, so we yeah, reached mm-hmm. out to Pels and um, we've been doing really well with them. And um, we just got our hotel back open. We have 133 rooms open. So we'll start to uh, get the Pels, um, Pels schools going again, which is exciting. But yeah, we've been really happy with, with all of the Golf Performance Institute components and feel like you can really come to La Costa and get a full game transformation, uh, you know, with get your clubs fit correctly, work on your short game and get some robot exposure. Yeah, it's great. I'm familiar with the uh, the Robo Golf. Um, I remember when it was introduced uh, some years back at the PGA Show, and I've actually had the uh, um, one of their top people on my show years ago. And uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, piece of equipment for sure. Uh, again, uh, obviously it is a pricey piece of equipment, but it's it's well worth it. And uh, they've done Absolutely. some great uh, great work. Yeah, great work with it. And uh, you know, it's interesting when I was. Uh, again, when I was reading through a lot of the notes, and of course I, I knew he was there, um, the schools and that, but um, you know, it always reminds me uh, of that video that circulated around um, from the Golf Channel with um, Dave Pels and Phil Mickelson, um, that famous uh, wedge shot that he hit from uh, literally, I think it was about a foot in front of Dave Pels, and he flopped it over his head. And um, you know, I, I think you might know what I'm talking about, but it was I, uh, I it was do. quite interesting, Dave. Yeah, Dave stood there, and, and I'm sure everybody watching was thinking, "You got to be crazy." But you know, Phil, uh, you know, he knew and trusted Phil, obviously, and and uh, he pulled it off, of course. But uh, I always think every time I see uh, or hear his name, I always think of that video. Um, so you mentioned a little bit, and, I, and and again, you don't have to get into great detail, but maybe you can just kind of explain a little bit what went on. You you talked about how um, because of the the uh, renovations for the for the various bridges uh, on the course at uh, La Costa. Obviously, it, it gave you some opportunity to uh, upgrade the conditions for the Legends course, an example. What was the purpose? What was it? Was it just a sort of a, a facelift for the bridges, if, if you will? Uh, what was going on there? Why were the, the renovations uh, happening there? Was it, to, again, to sort of give a facelift or repairs or, or what? Well, um, you know, Lacoste has been around for a while, opened in 1965. And that, that rain event that we had in April um i i've never i mean i've been here three years so i obviously haven't seen everything but uh the we had there's a there's some creeks that run run through the legends course and the the debris from the water flow was actually up on like the top railing of the bridges which is probably six to seven feet higher than what the normal water level is um and that that took place for probably a good 36 hours of just constant water just pounding these bridges and uh, when, yeah. the, when, the, when everything settled and we started to look at them, uh, we just really didn't have a, a great feeling. You know, the, the, the railings were damaged, but once we started to kind of peel the onion back and look at the, the I-beams and things like that, um, we realized that we had some, some bigger repairs to make. And, um, mm. you know, at that point it, it went to, you know, is it, uh, is it, a, is it a complete, re- is it a rebuild or a remodel or what, what was the plan? And... Um, you know, bridges, when they span 60 feet across, can, you know, that you're talking cranes and pretty destructive yeah. equipment. So yeah. we ended up finding an, an awesome vendor um, named AES. They're out of, uh, out of Michigan. 
and they came in and kind of cleaned up the steel beams. They uh, reinforced them with a carbon fiber wrap um, and then redecked hmm. everything. And the quality that they did was awesome. The bridges looked phenomenal. And like I said, in, in a way, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, to backtrack a little bit, we, we chose, we made a hard decision not to oversee the rough on the Legends course, which had been done for years, mm. but it just didn't right. seem like it made sense for us to do it anymore. It was a tough call. Um, very, you know, for those of you in the industry that are listening, it, it, uh, the first winter of, over, of not oversee transition is, is painful. Um, and right. with that, with the bridge, it's, I won't sugarcoat it, it was, it was rough. Um, but it needed to be done. It needed to be done. We had to rip the Band-Aid off. And um, with, with that closure, um, you know, basically when you, when you overseed, you kind of, it makes it a lot harder to grow the warm season Bermuda grass because that rye grass just dominates it for five or six months. Um, and we had great weather, obviously a ton of fresh water flushed through the soils with all that rain. And then we've had really incredible weather ever since. And so a lot of the areas that were bare and hadn't filled in have filled in. We've been able to do some tree work to eliminate shade. Uh, we did some sodding, and like I said, the, 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 the finished product is definitely the best I've seen in three years, and I've, I'm hearing best that people have seen in 20. So um, pretty pretty amazing wow. project uh, all in all. It's just, like I said, 2020 has just been one heck of a year, and we're, we've got four months left. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 sometimes when you, when you go through some of those uh, pains, if you will, it can be a little bit of a, what they refer to as a nail-biter. And uh, you're not sure how things are going to come out. But again, like you said, you know, it has to be done and, and, and it's necessary. And obviously the finished product is, is something that, the, you know, a lot of the, the members and guests uh, can, can really take pride in. And, and um, you know, to get that kind of feedback from people that have been associated with La Costa for, you know, 20 plus years to say, hey, it's the best I've ever seen. Um, that that's an testament to all of those that uh, put some hard work in. So, uh, Dustin, you mentioned at the at sort of the top of the show uh, that you'd like to maybe share some some stories. Um, so, I'm going to give you the floor. Go ahead. Um, well, I, I would say you know I've kind of I've kind of shared some of them just in our talkings, but yeah, one of one of the silver linings I was going to say is just how how fortunate we were that our Legends course with without doing the overseas transition, how how much better it looks. Um, you know, another one that I've that I've loved is I've had I had I know of five members that I've spoken with that when when we started so we were we kept the golf course open until April 1st we were shut down April 1st we were one of the last courses in the county to stay open um, we were closed all for the month of April and then we reopened May 1st and it was it was walking only uh, members only very tight restrictions and like I said seeing seeing a handful of members and and these are members that are you know in their 60s and 70s that you know, dropped 15, 20, 25 pounds by walking the golf course. And they're regular players. They play three, four, five times a week. But to see that happen, I mean, that's, it's, you know, you can, when you, when people transform how, how their fitness, I mean, it, they just, it's a different person. And it's, it's been really cool to see. So again, that, that was, that was one of the more silver lining things that have, that have come out of all this, this, this tragedy. So, um, so that, those are the kind of things that, uh, that have really been cool. Um, and on, from a membership perspective, um, we've been doing really well with membership sales, and I, I would bet that other clubs are as well because, you know, at La Costa, it's, it's more than a club. I call it a, a membership on steroids because you have, you know, <laughs> five or six different dining outlets. You have eight different pools to choose from. You have 36 holes. There's, there's an amazing spa. We have Kidtopia, so you can put your kids in for, 
you know, while you get a spa treatment. There's, there's just so much that, that, that we have to offer. And our members actually had a really unique opportunity to kind of have the resort to themselves because we just reopened the doors last week, Wednesday, with a limited number of rooms. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're a member at La Costa, you're parking wherever you want. You, you, you've got the pools to yourself. <laughs> And, and right. membership sales have been doing really well. And I think I, I would bet other clubs are, are experiencing the same thing because people are bleary about traveling right now. So if you're going to have to right. stay, you know, stay put, you might as well have a place to go where you can have what I, you know, we like to call it daycations. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, we've been capitalizing on it. So that is, you know, again, another, another great story that, you know, when it's all, it seems like it's all doom and gloom. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, what, what's good it, it, again, obviously, you know, all, all kidding aside, it has been very difficult and it's very unsettling at times, uh, for, especially for, for someone as large as, as your organization um, to really know best how to handle this situation. And obviously, you know, you have to follow uh, local government guidelines and things like that um, to make sure to, to keep people safe and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I can see how the members are. are it's like a, a trip to Disney for them to uh, to be able to enjoy the resort to, to its fullest capacity without you know uh, having uh, as many guests uh, coming through at that point. But obviously that that will uh, turn around. So enjoy, uh, my my uh, advice to them is enjoy it while it lasts because uh, the, the herd's coming. In other words, because you're too good of a resort to to pass up. But yeah, as more people become comfortable and. And, and so forth. I mean, th- those numbers will, will come back up. But um, so for somebody that's never been to La Costa, um, and, and obviously, for the most part, people that are going to come there are, uh, you know, people that are interested in, in golf. And you mentioned some other great things to do. Um, but what do you want them to know as they're driving up to the resort? What, you know, if you were uh, standing in a, in a room of, of, you know, 100 potential uh, travelers that wanted to to come to you know find a, an overall good experience. What would that conversation be like? Uh, well, Acosta is a great place. We're and we're not we're not at, at full strength yet. Um, we're we've brought back a lot of associates this week. With uh, we opened 133 rooms. We have 605 on property. We opened 133 rooms last week Wednesday, and we've definitely seen some great pickup. So um, we're you know kind of layering back in our food and beverage operation. And that, that picks up starting tomorrow, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, the spa is not open yet, and that's due to um, just the you can, the only way you can operate a spa sure. right now is to do it outdoors. Uh, our gym is currently right. closed, but another silver lining is we have all of this meeting space and outdoor space at La Casa that's not being used. So we put a we we added I think we have about 55 fitness classes now throughout the week. And because we can do them outside in all of our awesome outdoor meeting space and, and function lawns and things like that, um, people can still get a workout in and feel safe, and, and they get to do it outdoors. And, I mean, the weather here is incredible. We're having an awesome summer, but right. it's 75 during the day and 65 at night. It's, it's pretty hard to beat. So, um, so yeah. the pools here are, are, are phenomenal, and it's been interesting, like, um, you know, in order, Omni has a, a really incredible safe and clean program that, that we've, you know, been, been implementing, which a lot, obviously, every business that has that reopens has to, you know, make sure that you're sanitizing the touch points and make sure that people are social distancing. And, like, what's been interesting, me being a golf guy with my tee time kind of mentality, I've been helping to operate our pools and a lot of pools now in order to limit the capacity 
are going to essentially a shotgun start in a way. So, so like the way right, we operate right. our big cam, the way we operate our our, our splash, it's a, we call it the splash complex because there's there's an upper like family pool, there's a lower bigger pool, uh, and three water slides and a splash uh, splash pad for the kids, and. Uh, so we operate it where we take um, reservations uh, with a limited number of people. Um, so like tomorrow, we start that off with uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, the first wave checks in, and they get to enjoy the pool and the amenities and the cabanas um, from 10 to 2.30. At 2.30, we clear the pool deck. We sanitize all the chairs. We reset all the cabanas and kind of get everything back in order. And then at uh, 3 o'clock, we welcome the second wave in, and then they get a four-and-a-half-hour period at the pool which takes them to 7.30, and then we shut it down for the night and then reset, and we'll do the same thing uh, basically Friday, Saturday, and Sunday moving forward until further notice. And then we have, um, we have our villa and our upper garden pool. We operate uh, basically as an individual pool. So, you know, some people are still leery, and I totally get that. We want to be, we sure. be accommodating to everybody. So a single person, a single family can book that pool for a 50-minute time slot, and it's it's been it's been a game changer for a lot of people because you know their their pools are are, are closed and and it you know I have two kids you know it, you got to get your kids out and exercising mm-hmm. so that's the way we've been operating that pool and then um, we have our edge adult pool which is very popular and we cap that at 55 people and you know it's 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 been working well so um, it's actually you know another great thing that we've found about doing the reservation process is that you know a lot of resort pools are very busy in the summertime and in previous summers. And there's, you know, the, the people are reserving chairs and all those types of things. This has actually been a really nice experience for people because you know what you're getting. You, you've got four and a half hours. You're not going to have to worry about finding a chair. You're not going to feel, you know, overcrowded. And there's not going to be 75 people in line for the slide. So it's, it's actually been a really nice way to operate the pools. And, you know, who knows what the future has. But I, I could see a lot of pools and maybe ours. I don't know. But but sticking with that model just because it's it's a really it's a it's a better experience and and it definitely keeps sure. you know people safer and cleaner and more socially distanced sorry right exactly let's talk a little bit about uh golf um you know as i quite often talk about on the shows you know there's a lot of folks and we we touched on this a little bit in the beginning with a lot of new people coming um you know into the game that have never maybe played before uh, tell us a little bit about experience for them, because obviously, um, you know, these are, are high-quality courses, but they're also friendly to um, for the golfer that maybe isn't quite as experienced playing. Um, talk a little bit about the experience to the more novice golfer, shall we say, let's put it that way, at La Costa. How, sure. do, they, and, and how do they feel? Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you, no, you, you can finish your question. I mean to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, no, that's okay. I'll, yeah, it's okay. Um, no, sometimes you have to trust me, Dustin, because uh, I can go on for a while. But, but basically, what I was trying to get at, I guess, the, let me reframe it, is you know a lot of resorts. Um, you know, the courses obviously we know at Lacoste. I'm familiar with them. I know are, are, are beautiful, um, but can also be very challenging. So for some of the novice golfers, what's what options are available, and what do they you know is normally recommended for the beginning golfer? Let's say. Um, to be able to get enjoyment out of it and not feel sort of overwhelmed or threatened uh, by the challenges of, of uh, some of the courses. Yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely recommend taking you know obviously golf instruction. I think is 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 really important just to kind of get the the right fundamentals and make sure that you have an understanding of the flow of the game and 
um, you know, the there's a lot of you know intricacies in golf and etiquette and things like that. Sure. Um, you know, the golf courses they're not easy, but you know, if you play the appropriate tee and play the the yardage that fits your game, you can have a really great time. Um, you know, like I have a my son is six years old, he's just getting into golf, and you know, I I tee his ball up from about 100 yards in the middle of the fairway, and he has a great time. It's it's you know, I I think I'd, I'd, I would say. Um, that you don't have to, you know, you can tee your ball up in the fairway if you're just getting started. You you can, you know, if you try to hit the ball out of the sand, out of the bunker three times and it doesn't work, then use a hand wedge and throw it out. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> try and have fun and, and, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself that you have to, you know, you're not going to be a tour player when you start out. It's I, I, I equate it to, like, picking up a saxophone for the first time and expecting to know how to play it right off sure. the bat. Like, that's not going to happen. It just, it takes time. So I would say, you know, Put, set yourself up for success. Come out during a, a late afternoon time when you're not going to feel pressured. Um, you know, tee the right. ball up, play, play it up in the fairway, throw it out of the bunker, nudge it in the rough. Like, I'm not saying cheat, but, like, when you're just getting started, no. you know, have fun with it. Like, make the game enjoyable until the, you start to get some, some repetition and you start to feel more comfortable and you're making consistent contact. So I would say for the beginner, don't, you know, don't, don't take what you see on TV and feel like you have to do that on the golf course. You know, have fun with it and, let your kids run around. Like, try to keep them out of the bunkers. But, you know, if they do, if there's a rake, <laughs> try and rake behind them. Right. Uh, you know, just, do, do just a enjoy little. it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful outdoor space. It's a great way to spend time with your family. I mean, that's my, my family. We're trying to get my daughter into golf, but we spend a lot of time on the golf course during this time, and it's, it's, it's great. I mean, my family did it when I was growing up, and I'm happy that, uh, you know, to continue that tradition with, with my kids. And I certainly hope that, uh, that, that a lot of people that – maybe are leery about picking up the game because of maybe they've heard some bad things about it. We'll, we'll give it a shot. And, you know, again, just go to, go to late time. The rate's usually inexpensive or, or less expensive at that time. It's less pressure. It's the lighting and the sunsets out here are gorgeous. So you can, uh, I, I, that would be my tip is, is just go have fun. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and, and play the golf course from the appropriate yardage. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and uh, for those of you tuning in, um, yeah, remember to do a little sand gardening when you're when you're up there in the bunkers. Make sure you grab that rake and and uh, clean up for the next people. But um, no, you're you're exactly right, Dustin. You know, I've I've taught for uh, mainly to corporate, but um, you know, for 25 plus years as a, as a golf instructor, and and you know, I, I've always said to um, especially the the men because they're, they're you know, I think teaching women is a lot different because most of them. Um, you know, they're not as bashful when it comes to moving up a tee or two if need be, or even playing, like you said, from the fairway. Um, you know, they're a little bit smarter, but the guys, you know, they get out there and they see the course is, you know, 7,500 yards. Well, I buy it, you know, gosh darn it, I paid money. I want to play 7,500 yards, and they're lucky <laughs> if they can hit it 20 yards past the closest tee. So, you know, you're right. You have to be smart about it. But the nice thing about most of the resort courses, and I know for La Costa, is it certainly can be challenging for uh, for the savvy golfer, but it, it uh, can be a lot of fun, um, again, if you play smart, as you suggest. And I agree with you. What you said earlier is, you know, you've got some great opportunities with some great instruction there. Uh, you've got great, uh, you know, scoring game school there through Dave Pels. Um, so there's no excuse not to, to brush up on on, uh, on some of those skills to, to make it a, a better experience. And, um and you know, there's so many other things to do there at La Costa as well for the guests, um, you know, to be able to uh, to go and enjoy in addition to golf. So even if you don't master the golf course the first day uh, that you're staying at the resort, 
there's lots of uh, goodies, including some uh, fine dining and, and whatnot uh, experiences there. And they also, I, I see, as you mentioned, you touched on a little bit earlier, uh, you've got some great meeting facilities there for, for, um, for businesses. Um, but you also, it's a great location for some other occasions like weddings. Um, maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know the the whole the gathering piece is, is tricky right now with um with with the with the restrictions. Sure. But we actually we just finished a brand new ballroom called Costa de la Luna, and uh, it actually gives us hmm. the largest resort meeting footprint in Southern California. Um, and which which will actually you know when group business comes back, it, it's 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 not back yet, but it it will come back at some point. Uh, and it's going to look very different than what it did before. You know, a ballroom that fit a thousand people in it now is probably going to fit 250 or 300 or 400, something. You know, a much smaller right. number. Um, and we're actually set sure. up really well for that between our our we two ballrooms and our indoor outdoor meeting space. Um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a great spot. I mean, there's there's a, you know just the time there's like a lot of the parks, just a lot of things are closed. But if you're going to come here, it's a great place to relax, and that's 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 what it's, what that's what it's all about. You're going to come here. Use the pools, enjoy. We're close to the beach. Uh, if you want to get some, you know, like we we usually take guests to Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, which is a great little spot. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great place mm-hmm. to relax. I know a lot of people, myself included, uh, have been probably staring at the four walls of their house and you know kind of going through the same thing. So <laughs> it's a great place to get a taste right. of scenery. Right. And yeah, I mean for for me, the the weather right now in Southern California in the summer is is just it's spectacular and it's comfortable. It's never you know it's never too hot. It's just it's just uh, an all-around great place, and I, I just I love this place. I mean, I've been here three years, and um, it's probably the my mom probably said it best. She stayed here the first time. She said this is the most comfortable I felt at a at a resort in my life, and um, it's just we have great people in this area, and our guests are fantastic, and just I feel like people when they get on property, they just kind of it, they just take it down a notch, and you know the the stress kind of melts away, and you just kind of get into the vacation mode, which is which is nice to see. I would say I would agree with that, and I'd say probably one of the only drawbacks is at some point you got to leave. Yeah, you know, I think I know. that's probably the one. The, the hardest part is, that, and I don't mean you personally. I meant for the guests. At some point, uh, when your stay is over, you, you got to go home, and it's kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to leave. So, uh, but no, it's yeah. a beautiful resort, and uh, you know, you guys have done a great job um, over the years, and and obviously with some of the renovations that you've done to. To kind of bring things back up, uh, you know, to uh, to the status that they are now, and uh, you know, again, it's been very difficult for for many people out there, yourselves included. But um, you know, I think that the thing is that there's still a lot of great, um, you know, good times to be had at La Costa right now, and uh, and folks should take this opportunity to go and enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to give you the last moment or two if you want to do uh, maybe just a, a quick uh, wrap up. If there's anything else that you want to um, let the listeners be aware of. I know actually one thing before you do, I know um, uh, as obviously the listeners are aware, I uh, own and operate golf tips magazine and La Costa was featured uh, in that uh, in the July, August or sorry. Yes. The July, August issue um, that was at newsstands here just uh, recently. So uh, it's a great resort, uh, a lot of great uh, fun to be had for anybody that wants to uh, have an enjoyable time and, and of course play some great golf. So, Dustin, I'm going to give you the final word here if you want to uh, wrap us up and anything you would like to add or, or say uh, just to the listeners to remind them uh, about some of the many things going on at La Costa. Sure. Well, I, first, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been really uh, enjoyable. And time, I tell you, time goes by fast. I can't believe we've been on for like 40 minutes already. Um, 
But uh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I love the place. So I, I could I could talk about La Casa till I'm blue in the face because I, I love the place. But um, but yeah, what we so what to expect when you come on property? Um, so like Bob's, uh, we have a great fine dining outlet called Bob's Steak and Chop House. Um, right now we we are expanding that operation. We just started that last week, and it's all outdoors because you can't dine indoors. And um, so we're mm-hmm. we're going to be open for dinner service from 5:30 to 8 um, Wednesday through Saturday. That starts next week. Uh, our executive chef just came back on, and uh, we'll be uh, operating food and beverage uh, at the pools uh, starting tomorrow, which is exciting. And um, mm-hmm. we've got our we had a we had a beautiful lobby, and our lobby uh, bar uh, and restaurant was called was was renovated just be- and finished just before everything closed down. It's called Bar Traza, and uh, Traza translates into kind of a central meeting place, and this is it's. It's right at the hotel lobby. It's got an awesome view of the golf course. It's an edge pool. And we'll be starting um, takeout, uh, grab-and-go, and outdoor seating there. So um, so the good thing about La Costa, we have a ton of outdoor space, so you can definitely socially distance yourself. You've got 17 tennis courts to choose from, 36 holes of golf, uh, eight different pools. And uh, we're ramping up the food and beverage uh, every single day. And, you know, as, as restrictions loosen, um, you know, we're, we're excited to hopefully bring more amenities back on board, like the spa and, you know, like the fitness center. But in a way, we're, we're able to pivot. And because we have so much space, and like I said, we, instead of a gym, we have, you know, probably 45 to 55 uh, outdoor fitness classes. And so there's, there's a lot of great things that you can experience here. The weather's fantastic. We have an awesome staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have been, have been off and are really excited to come back to work and, and welcome you back. And um, we'll do it with open arms. Perfect. And if they want to go to get more information, what's the website? Uh, you can visit us online. You can go to www.omnihotels.com or you can go to www.lacosta, L-A-C-O-S-T-A.com, and you can find everything you need to know right there. Perfect. Uh, and you can actually book right through the website as well, so there's no excuse. Well, Dustin, thank you very much for, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure, and uh I want to wish you continued success at La Costa, and uh, I know it's a great resort, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, coming out and spending some time uh, at your resort uh, in the near future, and uh, we'll have to sit and and maybe have a drink together. But uh, Dustin, thank you very much. Again, I I mean that sincerely, and and all the best to you and your family. Uh, Stay safe, and uh, folks, get out to La Costa and enjoy uh, some of the many amenities that they have there, and obviously we've got to be careful, but uh, they've uh, they've got everything well situated and uh, and uh, in, in good working order. So get out there and enjoy it. Thank you very much, my friend, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, Ted. Take care. Be safe. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, that was Dustin Irwin, uh, Director of Golf Operations at Omni La Costa Resort and Spa in Carlsbad, California. Uh, great resort to play and uh, stay at. And if you go to Om- Omni it's uh, com. Um, you can get on there and check out all of the amenities and, and various um, things that are going on at La Costa. And you can, as I said, you can actually book right through their website uh, and spend a, a little uh, getaway, if you will, and play some uh, world-class golf on their uh, 36 holes. Um, I want to thank once again, uh, Jamie and Bill for uh, coming on earlier in the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, guys, for doing a great job, as always. And uh, be safe, everybody out there. I'm going to be back next week uh, with another great panel discussion. 
and another uh, interesting guest to, to interview. Don't forget, uh, again, if you go to golftipsmag.com and under subscriptions, you can subscribe uh, to Golf Tips Magazine. It's just fourteen ninety seven for six issues uh, for the season. And uh, if you want to get the digital version as well uh, for an extra $5, which brings it up to $19.97, you'll get all six issues in print as well as the digital version. Uh, so you can actually share with a friend if you want. You can have the digital version for yourself, and you can give the uh, hard copy or the printed version to a buddy and, and let him or her uh, enjoy the magazine as well. So go to golftipsmag.com. Uh, to sign up today and don't forget to also sign up to our newsletter uh, there's a link there as well that you can sign up and uh, I send out a monthly newsletter letting you know what's uh, what's happening and with some great video tips and and some great products uh, of the month as well so thanks everybody for tuning in to Golf Talk Live and I will see you next week right here at uh, blogtalkradio.com's Golf Talk Live God bless everybody bye bye Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.